Okay, time to go to the UK. And joining us now is football journalist for The Sun, Alan Nixon. Alan, hello, how are you? Yeah, I'm just amazed that these sporting men of steel actually sleep. I, I, I didn't think they needed it. I think, well, <laughs> well, morning's like today, buddy. We feel like we don't. <laughs> appreciate catching up again, Alan. And I guess the big story over in the Premier League at the moment is the plight of Manchester United. Uh, bottom oh. of the table for the first time in 30 years. I mean, you've uh, witnessed and reported on some dark times since Sir Alex Ferguson left the club. Is this their lowest ebb? <laughs> I think it probably is. I think it's the complete confusion at every level of the club is there for everybody to see now and there's nowhere to hide. Mm. And everybody's talking about Brentford 4-0 at the weekend. Let's not forget, that was before half-time and Brentford took it easy on them in the second half. Oh, we really could have been talking about some form of humiliation. So it's desperate. It's desperate. I mean, I, I still don't know why Eric Ten Hag got the job. It was only because it was cheap and convenient, which for Manchester United is a disgrace. Mm-hmm. You know, we're all we're all analysing it. We're all trying to figure out where it's gone wrong. And you know what? I think I think it's, it's the same malaise that's faced in a lot of industries. Middle management is the problem. It's not actually the Glazers. The Glazers have put money in. It's the people who spend it for them and who make the decisions who are the ones who've really let the club down here. And the terrible decision to pick Ten Hag ahead of Pochettino and when you could probably have got Conte because he wasn't exactly settled at Tottenham, that's the kind of thing. That's that's where the club's going wrong. They're afraid to appoint strong people who've got opinions and might stand up for themselves. Uh, They're not seeing that on the pitch. What's happened to, like, for me, United under Sir Alex Ferguson were always a club that was about not just being at the top of their game every year, but it was bigger, it was deeper than that. It was bringing young, you know, Manchester players through, local boys through. It it, it was always a vision to the future and being successful over 5, 10, 15, 20 years. At the moment, I know the manager's always going to cop it, but even now in criticism, it seems like we're saying, Saying not the right manager, not the right manager. Like every single manager that gets employed. But yeah. what's happened to the vision of this club in let's set a structure and foundation so we produce talent for the next 20, 30 years? Well, what happened, I think, is that it wasn't just Fergie. Fergie was an old school manager who wanted to have his hands in everything at the club. Yeah. The first team, the reserves, the youth team. Yeah. He knew the lot. They don't make people like that anymore. But he'd also be the first to say that and the chairman and David Gill, he's an experienced man who knew football, who knew when he'd pull him back occasionally, rein him in, and when he let him go and be himself. And that relationship, and it was a relationship, is something they've never had since. Mm. Because when the Glazers came in, they brought in a financial guy in Ed Woodward who just couldn't control Fergie at times. Mm. And, and I don't think Ferguson was ever really a guy who looked up to the people above him, he would go straight to the Glazers rather than MD in between. Now, Woodward's brought in a succession of managers. In fact, don't forget, Fergie picked his own successor in David Moyes. In what other sport would that happen? Mm. The outgoing manager says, look, go, go and take him. Surely, if you've got executives, they should make that decision. Because if they can't, why are they executives? 
And it's been that way ever since. It's been silly ideas. Let's bring in Van Gaal. Let's give up. Solskjaer a shot. Ryan Giggs got a shot as well. It's mind-bending. And I don't know who interviewed Tenag. He might be a great coach. But he's got no personality. (laughs) And if you're going to go into a club like Manchester United, even if it's a swagger, even if there's a little bit of BS involved, you've got to come across as the leader. You've got to be the guy that people look up to. And even in this day and age, when players are millionaires, they've also got to be a little bit afraid of you. Now, again, I don't want to use Conte all the time, but look at Tottenham under Conte, how they've changed. They get rid of the ones that weren't pulling their weight. He's improved the players there that needed a nudge. And they all look at him and they know, if, if I don't behave myself here, if I don't run 100% every week, I'm not playing next Saturday. Alan, what did you make of that little scuffle? Well, sorry, mate. What did you make of that little scuffle on the sideline between Tuchel and Conte? Marvellous. I didn't expect them to audition for Strictly Come Dancing. <laughs> it was it was quite something. It was, but I love it. I think it's great to have personalities like that in the game. Tuchel, you know, has got a little bit of edge to him, and we know Conte's a firecracker. Uh, but you'd be happy to have either those guys in charge of your team because they've got a bit of life. Mm. I couldn't see Eric Ten Hag doing that. He'd probably go for a quiet waltz with you. Rather than, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, look for a little bit of fisticuffs. Uh, uh, that's great. That kind of thing's magic. I think Klopp's got that in him as well. He's got an edge. He knows when to start a bit of a rummy in the touchline if things aren't going well and get the place stirred up. Football's an emotional game. And it, it's great to see emotional. No, look, nobody got hurt, did they? No, you know, nobody got punched yesterday. Nobody went for stitches. So it was, but it, it was great to see that element of passion mm. at a football match. And the long may it continue. As long as it's genuine, you don't want it staged or somebody just trying to be a bit silly. But when you get when you get a last minute equaliser in the controversial circumstances, I'm not surprised it kicked off like that. And I've got to say, if if you watch that and you didn't chuckle, you've not got a sense of humour. Yeah, no, I loved it. Uh, interesting at the moment, we're seeing Liverpool 1-0 down at Anfield against Crystal Palace and Darwin Nunez has been sent off as well, a red card after he hit the post earlier. But Arsenal have made a really strong start. Manchester City have won their first two games. Can you see, I guess, uh, a challenger to City and, well, Liverpool struggling just right at the moment, but can you see someone uh, perhaps surprising up at the top of the ladder this year, Alan? I still see Manchester City and Liverpool as being clear and both of them have spent the big money in Haaland and Nunes and both will actually have to adjust the way they play but I think in general they've got too many good players not to get it right. I do think Chelsea and Tottenham will do well and they'll be relatively close but I tell you the big challenge this season for all these clubs is the number of games in a hurry before the World Cup and not just that, you've also got the Champions League games in a really mad, congested part of the, the season. So it's the clubs with the big squads. And I think that's where Manchester City will once again edge it. I don't think Liverpool have got the depth, but they'll still be the main challengers. Chelsea have still got a bit of signing to do. Once it's all settled down, I think they'll be fine. Tottenham, for me, I don't think they've got a big enough squad either. So just simply in terms of endurance and getting through all these mad games we're going to have, um, I think that come that, that World Cup break, City might just be clear and I don't think they'll get caught. Uh, just we take quite a bit of uh, interest in 
what's going on in Scotland, particularly with Celtic and Ange Postacoglu. So you should. Yeah, yeah. I mean, tell us how his star, I guess, has risen after he was essentially ridiculed when he first got the job. Well, do you know what? I mean, what a job this fella has done. Uh, when he first came in, it was in a Manchester United state of disarray. You know, the chief executive had left. The manager had gone. They were short of players. And the guy came in and basically had to roll up his sleeves and, and, and get dirty. And at the start, it was it was very, very difficult for the guy. Uh, and I think by accident, because I don't know quite how they came to appoint Nange in the first place, and that's not being disrespectful, but by accident, they've got themselves a real gem there, a real worker. And I think the fact that from day one, he told it straight and he didn't kid on with them, this was going to be a hard job. He let the fans know and he used the fans to G up the club and make sure that he was being backed in the transfer market and he got players in. And he's built a team, very exciting, and uh, and a team that's now really... I, I think the, the big test for him now is going to be the Champions League because, look, there's no doubt it's Celtic or Rangers for the title once again. I mean, these games are becoming practice matches against the lesser teams. The big test for him is going to be the Champions League. They didn't really do so well in Europe last year and Rangers got to the Europa League final. So that's just a little bit of an itch they've got to scratch. But that will be very, very interesting to see how he does in, in the Champions League qualifiers because quite rightly, as champions, they are now in the group stage and we'll see what they're all about. And I think um, with him in charge, with big crowds at games at, at home at Parkhead, which is a magnificent venue for European matches, uh, I think that will be a very, very interesting time for him this season. And look, he's taken every other challenge in his stride. I, I really, you, you cannot say how well he's done in, in the space of a year. Because as you say, when he first came in, people thought, oh, oh, he's going to be gone because this is too much. Mm. And the job was too big for most. But he just has that kind of slightly stubborn attitude, hard-working attitude, like, come on, let's get on with it. And if you doubt me, I'll show you. And um, he certainly has. Alan, we really appreciate your time as always. Thanks so much. And hope you have a good night's sleep, Clarkie. Thank you, buddy. Anytime. <laughs> <laughs>